0: Do you call yourself a feminist? Here's Bookie Backray, the star of the film Rocks. I always never used to call myself a feminist because I only saw like one kind of lane of feminism that I couldn't really relate to. And I think I would describe this Rocks process as seeing... I saw intersectionality. It wasn't only something I had always read about. I saw women who were feminists from different walks of life, different backgrounds, they had different beliefs but it all kind of aligned with this one thing. And that's what I really respected.
1: I also chat to St Maud star Morvith Clark about standing up to male directors.
2: I remember I was doing this job and um, the lead was asked in one of the scenes that she was being kissed on her neck and the direction was like, and you just come, you just come. And she was like, I don't, I don't. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, if that was me, I'd have been like, okay, yes. Now I come from this kiss on the neck. And so I think I've definitely learned a lot from watching kind of people be politely assertive to be where I am now to feel kind of confident standing my ground when it needs to happen. Fasten your seat
0: belts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm gonna get that gun of mine and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hand with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with
2: a
1: spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film and a special episode celebrating the two young women nominated for the E.E. Rising Star Award at the 2021 E.E. BAFTA Film Awards. The award is the only category to be voted for by the public and the winner will be announced on Sunday, the 11th of April 2021 at the ceremony. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I was a judge at the E.E. Rising Star Awards in 2019 and 2020. And I helped choose the nominees before the public vote went to Letitia Wright and Michael Ward, respectively. This year, the jury has selected Kingsley Ben-Adir, Shopey Dirisu, Conrad Khan and our two guests today. Bookie Bakrae and Morvith Clark. First up is the Welsh actress Morvith Clark, who stars in the psychological horror Saint Maud as a nurse who tries to save the soul of her glamorous patient. She also appeared in Armando Iannucci's The Personal History of David Copperfield and in Craig Roberts' Eternal Beauty with Sally Hawkins. She's currently in New Zealand filming Amazon's The Lord of the Rings. Please note that this conversation includes some discussion around the topic of sexual assault. Well, Morvith, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a great pleasure to speak to you. And may I say a massive congratulations on the EE Rising Star Award nomination.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Very well deserved. Still weird
2: hearing that. <laughs> Why is it weird? I don't know. I still kind of just even seeing my name in writing, let alone next to other people who I've watched them do stuff is still quite alarming.
1: But... <laughs> Yeah, amazing. You haven't quite got used to fame yet then. (laughs) No. No. Well, tell me about the moment when you found out you were nominated. Where were you and how did you feel? Um, I was in my favourite place, Bed, and
2: I was just quite stunned really. But also, I don't know, it wasn't until I found out who else was nominated that it really sunk in because you kind of, you're like, oh, well, I saw that and that was great. And I'm somehow there. Um, So that was kind of, that's when it really started to be like, exciting and then um, particularly like obviously everyone who's nominated is amazing but like Shoppe, me and him have like started in the industry around the same time and kind of had a quite a similar career in terms of kind of yeah and so being with him was also really lovely and then kind of you have Connor and Gucci just kind of being so right wise compared to us oldies like Kingsley Shoppe and I. Um, but yeah, obviously I can't meet them because of everything that's going on, but we had when it was announced, we were all on Zoom together and just seeing all our faces like in a line, I was like, oh, this is my little gang. I'm somehow in this little gang.
1: Oh, that's really lovely. And also outstanding British film nomination for St. Maud of the Baptists, among others. Very well deserved. Um, we've spoken with Rose before and of course we love the film. Talk to me a little bit about the kind of discussions you had with rice director Rose Glass before you filmed St. Maud because she is such a fascinating character.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I remember when I read it, I was just like, who has written this? And I also just felt that I was like, this is someone who's been thinking lots of the same things as me, but can actually write them. And so it was, I felt like I was meeting a kindred spirit when I met her and um, I, I, kind of, I wasn't disappointed in that respect in that I think even from our first audition, Rose's notes and kind of what she wanted made a lot of sense to me. And that's partly also because she wrote a character that was complete. Hi, are you Maud? Yes. Dear God, it takes nothing special to mop up after the decrepit and the dying. <laughs> Can you feel that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to save a soul, That's quite something. We spoke a lot just about kind of the very small gap that obviously women have to kind of exist in to be acceptable and that Maud is very much not within that. However, she's kind of tried to be by kind of becoming a nurse, you know, a carer, something kind of we see as feminine work and a feminine thing to do and still she feels rejected and that kind of she's not allowed to be part of the world that she wants to be a part of. So that was kind of a big thing, kind of female strangeness and kind of how repulsed people are by it. And what's been nice about this is that I feel people have, like, they do feel for Maud and they do kind of feel sorry for her and understand her, but I feel we constantly came up from it from a point of, like, poor Maud. Like, I, when people talk about being scared and that she's a villain, I'm still a bit like, don't be mean about
1: Maud. I feel when you say people, though, I don't want to judge, but are they generally men? Um...
2: I think the world in general is pretty ruled by them, so yes, and kind of also on men there's there's that scene where obviously she is raped, and it's kind of that also was something I was very interested in in terms of like we don't protect girls who say my particular interest in this was like with ADhD which I have or autism, we don't protect them in how to defend themselves against kind of sexual abuse or sexual grooming or anything like that. And I kind of felt with more that she was someone who's kind of that lack of education and lack of clarity about what she should deserve um, was like a big part of who she then became. Because if you don't know where the lines are, people put them wherever they want.
1: That's a really important point. It's one I spoke to Rose about as well, because I felt what was strange that after I first saw the film and there was that rape scene, um that no no one else seemed to be really talking about that very much in interviews Mm -hmm. but to me that was a really big key takeaway because it's as you say so important for young girls and I think for young men to 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 watch this kind of thing and to be aware of where the line is and what consent is um can you talk to me a little bit more about that if you feel comfortable about about that scene because it feels really crucial to me
2: yeah I think what For me, that scene very much was something that had happened before, which to me was kind of... And speaking to lots of people I know, kind of unfortunately that type of sexual encounter is really not rare. And I'm very wary of kind of in film in general and also in horror, like rape of women is used often as a plot point or kind of a way to twist something or make us view a different. Like I recently watched a film where kind of the wife is raped and the whole thing was kind of like, and now the husband is so sad. And um, what I felt that this really told the story in terms of that it was, I felt very much not the first time it happened. And so therefore, this whole backstory is then clear in terms of her relationship to her body, her kind of repulsion at it, and also feeling that it's deserving of pain and punishment
1: well, I think also sadly it feels very relevant now because there's a lot more discussions about women's safety at the moment. What kind of yeah. role do you think film has to play in in this um, kind of issue? Huge. Like I was watching, I May Destroy
2: You um, over lockdown, and I was I watched stuff, and I'm like, I wonder what experiences I would have not had or had had I seen that when I was 15 or, or whatever. And um, so I think it's huge. Like I learned so much from film and TV, of the stuff that wasn't talked about. Um, I think also, like, I learned so much more about kind of female pleasure from film and TV than obviously I did in school and stuff like that. And so I feel I'm constantly changed by the stories that I I watch.
1: I think, yeah, that's so true about female pleasure as well, in every way, just in terms of educating people about sex and behaviour and consent, film is is huge. Let's talk a little bit about your other roles from from a feminist perspective. Um because obviously, you know, you you are an E rising star, but you've got quite a body of work behind you. Um, what, what, what roles particularly are you proud of um in terms of the depiction of women on screen? I'm very proud of being in the falling. Um that was like that was
2: my like first film job. Um, and I didn't realise at the time how special it was. Um do you know, we were it was kind of mostly women and some lovely men, Um, but it was very kind of female-dominated and also kind of with lots of 16-year-old, 15, it was kind of like 15 to 18, I think, the girls' ages were. Um, So it was also like watching these girls being championed by Carol and being allowed to kind of explore artistically and be in such a safe environment. And also kind of, I think it's often difficult in terms of like, I, I often, when I see children in a film, you're often like, oh, that's the only child in the film. And what was lovely about this is that they were in a group together. And I think that group has remained very supportive to each other. So yeah, that was brilliant. And um, I've been very lucky that I haven't had horrible experiences, but had I had some after that, I would have known that that wasn't how it needed to be. You mean horrible experiences on set? Yeah, in yeah. terms of like how, we I was I was given a very kind of, high level of what life could be on a film set from carol
1: carol morley is a friend of the podcast and one of our favorite people so yeah absolutely she's amazing and the falling is such a special film i'd urge anyone listening to check it out if they haven't seen it sit stand silence in the corridors and the communal areas skirts no more than two inches from the ground when kneeling if i were to fly on the wall in your house what would I see? You're quite an influence on the others. You are Not to fraternise with any of these girls.
0: Who was the first person in your age group to share symptoms? You all know something is wrong.
1: Anything else uh, you'd like to highlight from, I mean, Eternal Beauty? That was a terrific film.
2: Yeah, Eternal Beauty is one of those films that I'm, like I was saying before, that has really changed me. Do you know, kind of, for me anyway, this is maybe because I'm dyslexic, but like when I read stuff, I I kind of still feel it is quite kind of in my head instead of my heart. And um, it's kind of, I can logistically think of something, but it doesn't kind of make sense. And watching that film back, it just kind of, it really brought home to me the parts that I play in kind of making a society that is comfortable for people, whatever their life is and kind of, And it was also just very special to be in a film that mental health is kind of a fascination that film has and they obviously, we look at it a lot because it is fascinating and it's kind of something that we all kind of understand. But um, to be in a film that's been written from a point of such love as Eternal Beauty because it was written about someone very important to Craig, yeah, it was just really special. And I would urge anyone in terms of like films about mental health, that one's really kind of affected me to watch that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very warm and sympathetic portrayal, isn't it? As well as, as funny yeah. and moving. Yeah. yeah. Terrific. I no, don't want
0: to cause anyone any offence, but I bought my own presents this year.
1: just need the money now.
0: I'm not giving you that. Well, you have to, so
1: you've got no choice. <gasps> I love it. When you work with male directors, and obviously you, you work with some some brilliant male directors who know how to portray women fantastically, but do you have, um, do you feel very confident having conversations about character and do you ever kind of make suggestions from a female perspective that may, perhaps they might not have thought of or that they take on board? Yes, um, I've been very lucky. I've worked with
2: wonderful um directors who very much valued what you can bring as an actor but also particularly as a woman but I also have been quite lucky that I started off with quite little parts and then it kind of grew because I remember I was doing this job that kind of had a little part in and um the lead was asked in one of the scenes that she was being kissed on her neck and the direction was like and you just come you just come and she was like I don't I don't. And I was like, watching, I was like, oh, if that was me, I'd have been like, okay, yes, now I come from this kiss on the neck. And so I think I've definitely learned a lot from watching kind of people be politely assertive, um, to be where I am now to feel kind of confident, standing my ground when it needs to happen.
1: That's a hilarious story, but also sadly, (laughs) very believable because we've all seen those films where a woman just goes, (laughs) oh, you know. And yeah, um, yeah, a lot has to change on that front. And I'm I'm, yeah, very grateful for actors like yourself standing up about those. Um, I know you can't talk particularly about what you're filming at the moment, but tell me about your hopes for the future um, and your career. I am not a writer, but I love stories.
2: And it's kind of, it's been a joy just to have access to so many more stories and so many more scripts and things. But also in terms of, as I mentioned, I'm dyslexic, kind of the script is written and formatted in a way that's really good for dyslexics. And I would never have read as much as I had if I hadn't been that just, like I would actually, to all the dyslexics out there, like find, you can download the scripts of films and stuff and read them um, because they're kind of short paragraphs and with spaces in between. So it's, yeah, the point I'm getting at is it's just reading people's work. Like, I can't believe that I get to like look inside all these people's brains and having that moment that I had with Maud where you just kind of stare at the ceiling like, what have I just read? I will never forget it. It's seared into my brain. So yeah, just more stories.
1: Well, we look forward to seeing you in them and uh, best of luck. Thank you. At the And uh, it's been such a pleasure. Do come back on Girls on Film again. We'd love to have you thank you very much for having me
2: bless amanda's body and bless her mind which is shrouded in darkness
0: when you pray do you get a response
2: it's like he's physically in me it's how he guides me he's just there
1: (laughs) he's everywhere My next guest is Buki Bakre, who was street cast, or rather school cast, to star in the film Rocks, directed by Sarah Gavron. Rocks has been a huge hit with audiences, critics, and film awards voters. As well as a nomination for the EE Rising Star Award, Buki's been nominated in BAFTA's Leading Actress category for 2021.
0: Well, Buki, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you for having me so much. Such a sick platform to
1: be on. Oh, well, we are thrilled and big fans, as you know, and massive congratulations on your nominations for BAFTA, not only EE Rising Star Award, but also the Leading
0: Actress nomination. Congrats. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Where were you when you found out both of those things and how did you feel?
0: So I was was on my way from doing a COVID test um, in like somewhere in central London and my agents called me and said, um yeah you're gonna have to sign an NDA and whenever my agents call me um with both of them on the call it's kind of scary to me it's like so so what's important that you guys need to tell me um I knew it was nothing to do with a job so um I already had like my anxiety was on like 100 already when I was getting ready to answer the call and when they told me about the EE Rising Star I said no way um it was like 10 minutes of us going back and forth um about me trying to assess whether they were telling the truth or not. Um, But I just remember the cab driver kept looking back at me like I was nuts because (laughs) I just couldn't believe what they were telling me. And then as far as, like, the second nomination, I just remember just being so shocked. I just started laughing hysterically because I didn't really believe what I was seeing or hearing. Yeah, I just... Couldn't really believe it. I felt really spaced out and jaded.
1: Well, it is an extraordinary year or so that you've had. I mean, we spoke to Sarah Gavron actually a year ago about Rocks on the podcast, and she was saying what the casting process was like from her perspective and how she wanted to find real girls and non-actors. Um, can you tell me a little bit what it was like from your perspective?
0: Like the whole casting process?
1: Yeah, in summary, because I've heard you mention
0: X Factor before,
1: which made me laugh, the thought of you all getting sort of yeah, <laughs> narrowed yeah. down one by one.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Lucy Party and Sarah Gavron, the casting director and director, came to the back of our performing arts classes in like 2015 or 14, I can't remember. And at this point they were just making observations this was like midway through the creative process of like making the film and after like nine months nine months of them observing they said come to these workshops I mean me and my friends did and these workshop slash auditions where we would just like talk and have two different cool activities with other young people we the groups got really big and at one point they just like depreciated it got smaller and smaller and like, every week, like, one person wouldn't be here, and we'd be like, oh, where's that person? And that's why it kind of felt like X Factor, because it was like, we didn't notice how it was kind of turning into some sort of, like, system where people were being picked, and um, at that point, when some of us started clocking on, that's when people started to, not take it a bit more seriously, but kind of be a bit more present, and Realise that this could actually be something. So, um, yeah, the process was really cool for me. It was really sick meeting all these amazing, like, young women from so many different walks of life, so many different people. Um, I remember doing, like, sessions with people, like, radio presenters and just having different insights to life and just really realising how everyone is wired so differently because people's perspectives was just so different. Like, when we would talk about stuff like feminism and um, just other, like, really... Interesting subject matters. Everybody's approaches were so different, but what I really appreciated about this experience was that everyone was so open and so, like, no one really judged you for how you thought. <laughs> Yo, smell <Samaya! laughs> my own and Are y'all seeing this? I'm gonna be the new Picasso. These are your clients. Bro. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna be a millionaire. Put your How's your mum doing? Yeah, she's fine. Yeah? Yeah.
1: How has this changed you, that experience of sort of speaking to different people and finding people open-minded and developing your own
0: views? Um, I guess I will use, like, feminism as an example because I know that's, um, like, really important for your podcast. And important, like, to me, I've always, like like in secondary school this is going to make me sound so bad but i always never used to call myself a feminist because there was I only, I only saw like one kind of lane of feminism that i couldn't really relate to and i think i would describe this rocks process as seeing i saw intersectionality live oh, it, it wasn't only something i had always read about i saw women who were feminists from different walks of life different backgrounds they had different beliefs but it all kind of aligned with this one thing, and that's what I really respected. I saw the value of female friendship and female, the female gaze, and that's what was the biggest thing about this process for me was that it shifted my not only my circumstance but my perspective and how I thought about certain things. The conversations I was having with women about intersectionality and all these other big ideas of life in general. Um, it was such a mindful process and i didn't mind saying to them yeah I, I don't feel like a feminist i feel like a womanist or i don't believe in feminism to that degree i didn't mind being wrong about feminism and about these kind of things because they were just so open to understanding i feel like these women are the definition of what it means to be mindful and to be very watchful and to really like listen to what people are saying not just hear it and just like think anything you know they really did listen to us in terms of your own views now, do you call yourself a feminist? You know, I'm very, very weird with, like, titles. I'm like, oh, if I, say, if, I, if I say I am this, then isn't that me saying that shouldn't feminism just be something that you are? Like, I don't walk around saying I'm a person because that's just what I am. And a part of me is like, why walk around and say I'm a feminist? That's just what I am. That's how it should be a part of human nature. So I guess I still have that conflict if I might, in my mind, if I can be honest with you, Anna. So I feel like, yeah, everyone should be feminists. But again, to just reiterate myself, the whole title doesn't sit well on my tongue. And I don't know why. I think this, I'm very open to learning and re- reading. like I love bell hooks. Yeah, I love bell hooks. I love Toni Morrison. And I'm still reading so much from them. I'm still learning. And this conversation for me, in my opinion, is forever changing, so if I was to jump on this podcast again in a couple months time, I know I'm going to say something completely different.
1: That's so fascinating. Thank you. Because I think, yeah, we've had a few guests that sometimes say that when they were younger, they didn't really like the word feminist because they had some negative associations or, (laughs) but also, as you say, everyone should be a feminist, it should just be a normal thing. But I guess for us, it's kind of like, well, until there's an equal society, you kind of they need, need it really yeah. yeah um but i i'm interested to know you you said obviously about the female friendships in the film and to mm-hmm. us um certainly to me that's a really important part of Rox's success and mm. it's an important part of what we talk about which is getting more female and diverse friendships depicted realistically on screen um you must feel really proud of of how well the film's done and how that has been brought to a huge
0: audience yeah yeah, I remember just being I'm very shocked about how well the film's done. Not because it's um not because it's not a bad film, but because stuff like this doesn't really do well like this. I don't I feel like people are so people don't really like seeing the truth. Like I remember Colsa thought this this film was gonna end up on YouTube. We all used to laugh about that. Like none of us knew like it would we would premiere at the Toronto film festival, it would be on Netflix the thought of it even being on Netflix right now, like I don't even have Netflix as, as of now. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even have a Netflix account, but um, I need, I will get one. <laughs> Sorry. They but, should yeah. probably give
1: you a free one. For goodness free sake. one, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: because I, I always like switch between Netflix and Amazon. Right now I'm on Amazon. But yeah, like uh, none of us anticipated anything. And I think that's what makes the experience even more like crazy, is that we really do expect the unexpected. Um, and it's all very beautiful, overwhelming, it's a blessing, but um, it's a mixture of so many different things. I think you should tell someone about your mom. It's just you and Emmanuel. You all don't understand. What's the problem? Talk to me. I, I don't, don't get need you it. to worry for me. You're nothing such a beautiful world. You have to leave now. What get out, get out. Nothing can be loved into something.
1: There's got to be a way to solve all this. You just can't keep going on by
0: yourself. What kind of opportunities has it opened up for you this past year? As well as, like, acting opportunities, being able to tape for people that I really look up to in the industry, being able to work with some amazing, um, amazing, amazing actors and actresses. I I feel like the biggest thing for me is the conversation I've been able to have with artists and other human beings, like... Sometimes when I'm on set, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, going into the green room and having conversations with other artists about the art that they want to make, the music they listen to. Having an insight into people that are kind of like-minded is very interesting and is very um, inspiring to me because, obviously, I have my forever friends, my family, and not everyone's into film like that. Not everyone's an artsy and not everyone has, like, the time to have conversation like that because everyone... They're you know, thinking about their lives and that's okay. That's, they have every right to just not want to partake in these kind of like earthy conversations. But when you're in a room with other actors and they, they live by this and this is them, it's nice to kind of get lost in it.
1: So what are you working on next that you can speak about?
0: So um, I am currently filming in Birmingham for this series because you don't know me um, And this is, I'm really excited for this because the lead of this is Samuel Adewami. And I watched him in The Last Tree a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking, like, this guy is crazy. And now to be, like, working alongside him is a really beautiful and amazing thing. And the cast for this thing is really sick. I've met some really amazing actors and friends who I really want to know for, like, forever, if possible. And what
1: kind of roles are you looking for? Are you looking for anything in terms of that you feel progresses the representation of women and people of colour on screen?
0: Um, I always find this question difficult. I think the role that I'm looking to write, looking to be look in, hasn't been written yet. Because I feel like before Rox, if you asked me, give me your dream career bookie, I would have said something like an office job because that felt really nice to me. So when it comes to characters and stuff I can tap into I guess it hasn't been written yet I haven't fathomed it yet um and I guess when it does come it's going to be amazing because I would have never thought to write a story like rocks because it's just so so ordinary like who's gonna put money into making a production about a girl whose brother goes missing but then look at what was happened with rocks and the actors that were in that were just amazing like D'Angelo I like, look what he was able to do with the character and the words so I guess yeah I have my dream role hasn't really been written.
1: What have you been watching lately? I know you haven't got Netflix, but
0: what have you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been watching? Um, Mr. Robot with Rami Malek. He's cold. Rami Malek is cold. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Films like that is the only reason why I'm in this because their performances were amazing. And I have to sh- give like... A shout out to Viola Davis's performance in Muraney's Black Bottom. Like, I believe acting is is you like heightening a part of yourself. But Viola Davis, what she did in Muraney's Black Bottom was a, like the definition of escapism. She literally jumped into somebody else's body, and I just want to know how she did that because it was freaking amazing her performance.
1: Well, if this was a normal award season year, you'd be bumping into her at glamorous events, wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: You know what, you know what, people like Vala Davis, like sometimes I'm fine with not meeting you, because it's like I'm going to keep you as that person to just inspire me, like my favourite artist is D'Angelo and I wouldn't mind never meeting him because you know when someone does so much for you from afar, it's fine, the distance isn't, it's fine, but yeah, I would to meet Vala Davis, I don't know what I would do, she's I don't even think she's a real person.
1: <laughs> That's a good actor, isn't it? When you just don't yeah. think that. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, yeah. I have
1: a strong feeling you may yet bump into her one of these days. So you better prepare yourself because you're going places. <laughs> um, listen, we are going to be following your career closely and like super impressed with everything you're doing. Is there any last messages for the Girls on Film listeners?
0: I guess like to your platform, like thank you for being there and uh, acknowledging us. Um I always talk about being so grateful to be in Rocks because I felt seen. And I guess it's the the platforms like yours, that you guys, you actually care about these kind of stories and you care about what representation means and you care about the art for the art, not the embellishment and the shine. And yeah, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and being on this platform because this is like, this is what I love about Industries because there's people like such as you yourselves who actually who actually care and um, it's not a facade. It's just you like things for what it is, and I really respect that.
1: Oh, that is so lovely. Thank you. We really respect you, and we're just so thrilled that Rocks has been so successful. Best of luck at the EE BAFTAs, and if we don't see you at this year's awards, maybe we'll see you at future awards. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank That's you so it, much. Then. Take care. Close Think of everything that is happy and stop thinking about all your worries. We're coming with you. Public voting for the EE e. Rising Star Award is now open at ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA and the winner will be announced at the ceremony on Sunday the 11th of April. If you want to watch the films we've chatted about, you can see Rocks on Netflix and you can rent St. Maud online. Bookie recommended Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is on Netflix, and Judas and the Black Messiah, available on demand. We've done special episodes on both of these films recently, so check out our pod feed for more. <laughs> As you may have heard, a record number of female filmmakers have been nominated this award season. We'll be speaking to some of them soon, so make sure you've subscribed to Girls on Film to be the first to hear our exclusive interviews. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Dan Pugsley, assistant producers Heather Dempsey and Eliana Jay, and principal partner Peter Brewer. Don't forget to follow us and message us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook if you don't already. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Buki Bakray and Morvith Clark. See you soon. Amen. Hey.
0: To the remix. Ah. Preacher. Thank you.